everyone, and welcome back to Talking Absolute Worship. And I'm delighted that Blair has joined me again. And we find ourselves now uh, heading into the fourth Sunday of Lent. So Lent 4. And again, we find ourselves with some pretty hefty biblical texts, um, but probably some of the most familiar words in the Bible. And uh, another really... Um, I mean, a fairly lengthy text from 1 Samuel and another very full text from the Gospel of John. So um, we we are not short of material. And uh, I guess the challenge is, as always, going to be how do we navigate our way through and and what might be some of the threads that would lead into a sermon. So without any more ado, uh, Blair, from this cornucopia of delights where would you find yourself <laughs> uh good morning again everybody yes uh i i think i'd been kind of preaching psalm 23 um in okay this is um but that's not where i'm going to begin um, okay the, you know the both i think this the the samuel text is very interesting uh and i and i'll begin there and i also want to say a word about the the johannine text the the gospel the gospel of john okay um, i'll probably have less less to say about um the ephesians text but but if i begin with with samuel um it's just this interesting story of um the anointing of david yeah. uh, and how that came to pass and how you have a little inkling of the uh sort of political dilemma uh in which samuel found himself he he long supported saul um and became less enamored by him and um then it became clear to him that that god had turned his back on saul mm. um and uh and that he should get on with the process of making another of anointing another king and and i think it's sort of uh we do well to be honest about that we're talking about political insurrection here right we're, you know we're talking about dangerous moves uh on the part of samuel uh to under the nose of saul uh, set in motion a process which would bring about Saul's end as yeah. king. Yeah. And uh, Samuel senses the danger. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, when the Lord says to him, uh, as he does, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as, rejected him as king of Israel? Uh, you know, stop stop crying about this king who's not who's 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 not got it anymore fill your horn with oil and be on your way i'm sending you to jesse of bethlehem i have chosen one of his sons to be king so he he gets the the call to go and do this but he senses a danger involved that this is a dangerous political act uh that he's about to engage in and he says uh how can i go if saul hears about it he will kill me mm. and uh then god says well just don't tell him what you're gonna do uh you know god 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 says do it in disguise or uh even lie about it um but but uh you know take a heifer with you he says and say i have come to sacrifice to the lord which is that that's not why he's gone there at all he knows that god knows that but god says it's okay to bend the truth <laughs> mm. uh, in this circumstance uh, because of the danger involved you know so it's it just a really interesting text i i think from the point of view of um politics in our own day <laughs> uh you know when 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 there's great things when when is it when is it right to 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 be about 
and a political act which brings about the demise of the of the current king or the current dictator yeah you know think think of uh what what uh bonhoeffer did to try Absolutely. and bring about the end of of hitler yeah uh when 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 would god us god have us do this sort of thing and it's i think it's rightly uh that we're rightly slow to do it and and uh, samuel is rightly slow to do it and and, and bonhoeffer uh you know, didn't come to decisions that he made overnight. It, yeah. You know, it's prayerful, it's dangerous, it's in some sense wrong. But sometimes for the faithful person, uh, the faithful thing to do is to is to make for the possibility of a new future under a new king. Yep. And so uh, all of that is kind of subscript going on here. Um, and he, he, he gets there and, um, they ask him, um, what he's, have you come in peace? Oh yes. He says, I've come in peace. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Uh, consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're. They're alert to his power. They're alert to, you know, uh, what he may be doing. He says, don't worry about it. I've come in peace. Uh, and then this business of, of of choosing David, which I always find just a bit humorous, this one, this text. Uh, particularly the, the business about the, the first one, Eli, who's very tall, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Samuel says, surely... This this will be the one. You know, he's the oldest son. Uh, and God sort of tells him off. He says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The, the Lord does not look at the things that other people look at. Uh, people look at outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart, which has got to be right. Yeah. But but there's a little giveaway later on in the text when he says, but by the way, David was very good looking. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> we, we get this, that the Lord doesn't care, but maybe we care. Yeah, interesting. When David gets chosen, uh, David gets chosen it, 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 it says, he was glowing with health and he had a fine appearance and handsome features, is the yeah. way it's put in the, the NIV. You know, these things don't matter. To God, but they matter to us, apparently. I mean, they, 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 we, yeah. So, so uh, that sort of slipped in there. Um, then God, then then uh, Samuel does what needs to be done. Um, it, God, God says, "Rise and anoint him." This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Um, and Samuel went on to Ramah. Um, so just a little sort of look behind the scenes at, at the political struggle that was going on and God's part in it. Uh, and the choosing of the the youngest, uh, one who wasn't even there in the first place, you know, he he he, uh, he has he has a he has a look at the other sons, and and God rejects all of them. Yeah. Uh, he he says he asks Jesse, are are these all the sons you have? There's still the youngest, says Jesse. Uh, but he's out tending the sheep, so Jesse doesn't even consider him a contender. Um, so it's again a little bit of a, a message here about about the youngest and maybe the smallest mm -hmm. uh, being the surprising um, one through whom God acts. And yeah. Later, of course, we get that in the feet of, of uh, uh, Goliath. 
is you know kind of wonderfully portrays that story that the, the yeah. smallest the youngest you know, these things are are not important if god is acting through you and if you if you put your trust in god yeah so that, yeah. that's my my little take on on that text which i'm i'm humored by but i probably wouldn't preach on uh, yeah i don't know do you want to yeah i mean i think the thing yeah i i i, I think i mean there some of the other things that are going on that that it would be you know that one might pick up on um mm -hmm. i mean there is something very poignant about the idea of because i mean saul was god's chosen and and so that idea that God has moved on, and that you know because of how Saul has acted, oh, yeah. so God is willing to say, well, I'm no longer. And um, I mean that that would that would open up some interesting dimensions in a sermon about you know what might be the times and the situations where God says, well, I used to be this used to be part of what I was doing in the world, but actually no longer. Yeah. You know, I, I, have, I have stepped away from this, um, you know, and I mean, I, yeah. I mean, just thinking, for example, of, of, of some of the struggles in the life of the church, um, not least, say, the, the, uh, um, over who, who is allowed to be ordained or who can do what in the life of a congregation. Um, and what does it mean for God to take God's favor from us? and and give it to someone else i mean that that would be an interesting difficult avenue but it would be an interesting one the other the other one is is as you've touched on blair that whole sense of um you know the 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 kind of the neglected one is the one that god wants to use the the, the one that everyone has forgotten to bring into the party is the one and what's interesting there is that that um you know god kind of prompts samuel um you know the lord has not chosen any of these and then samuel says to jesse are all your sons here you know there's this lovely little moment of god and samuel i think you know something has prompted samuel to ask that question and yeah. and partly because Samuel believes, I think, you know, God has said, I am going to choose one of these sons. Yeah. And yeah. and so Samuel is thinking, well, hang on a minute. You haven't chosen any of them. That maybe means there is another son hiding away somewhere. Um, and Jesse has no sense that David is worth bringing into the mix. He's just yeah. not. He's too young and he's too small, and yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, that, very that, wonderful story. That and would open just up a, a little bit. Of, yeah, well, it would open it, up a sermon about who, who, who are the pope? You know, who do we neglect? Who, who do we, in the life right. of our churches or in the life of our communities, who, who are the people who get sidelined? You know, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. even. They're not even act, they're not even being rejected. They haven't even been invited to the party. They're not considered, um, you know. And I mean, again, I think that could take us into all sorts of sermons about people who are differently abled. It might take us into sermons about the very young or the very old, um, homeless. If you, if, you know, um, it could open up the whole L LGBTQ plus. Uh, and sexuality thing um you know in in all sorts of ways it could lend itself to being a sermon about you know what what if god god wants to surprise us by by bringing in and and letting us discover that we are being led by people that we instinctively wouldn't even think of inviting to the party um and that whole sense of God seeing more than we see. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. There we yeah, go. Um, it's a great, yeah, you're a great avenue. I agree. Take us on. Take us on. I think you want to get to perhaps where. Well, do you want to get us to the song? Well, I, 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 
I'm going to go to the the gospel. Um, oh, right, yeah. Now, well, that, I'm, another... I want to finish. I, I want to finish my bit. I want to. I want to build towards the psalm because I think okay. I think so that the psalm is uh, in this case. I don't usually I don't usually preach on psalms, but I um, think the Psalm 23 is so key uh, yeah. for us and so well known. It's it's worth preaching on. Sure. Um, but the gospel is just a, a really interesting reading. Again, a very long reading mm. uh, that we're given in the Gospel of John. In chapter nine, verses one to forty-one, is a is a bit of a mouthful, uh, and it you, you wouldn't necessarily have to read the thing. Um, it, you know, it'd be possible to to um, read down to the end of twelve, for instance, and and then you could preach on on that alone. Yeah, but um, it's about blindness, and as it, as you read it, it, it becomes clear it's about spiritual blindness, really. Uh, mm -hmm. That that Jesus uh, and John uh, are dealing with. Um, we, we get this man who uh, is has been uh, blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And this is really, I think, quite a, a, a well-quoted text or well-known text by by uh, Christians, because it very significantly suggests that sin uh, does not necessarily, or, or that our that our, that our our physical health issues are not necessarily because we sinned or our parents sinned, and and of course there was a lot of that, or at least some of that in the Old Testament, that yeah. that if if someone was a eunuch or or if someone. Um, had leprosy, or or it, it was a result of what of what they'd done in the past, or the parents had the sins of the of the parents are visited upon the children to the tenth generation. Uh, Job wrestles with that whole thing of how how could it be that he has had such terrible things happen to him when he knows himself to have been a pretty good person. Yeah, uh, and, you know, there's a big debate in the Old Testament, but it, it comes up more clearly in this text that. Uh, one does not necessarily lead to the other, yeah. uh, and uh, so that's a, a a significant point. And Jesus said, "Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened that the works of God might be displayed through him. That the works of God might be displayed through him." Um, so it's an opportunity. Uh, to do good rather than an opportunity to condemn the man for his past or his parents' past. Um, and and Jesus sees it always as his responsibility to keep on taking up that opportunity to do good. As long as it is day, says Jesus in verse 4, uh, we must do the work of him who sent me. Now, the the uh, plural pronoun is is interesting in the Gospel of John, more so, I think, than, than the other Gospels. This use of we, uh, we can come to it later later on, uh, but, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus uses it, uh, sometimes others use it uh, right. as well in the Gospel of John. Um, when when it, it 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 you would have thought that I might be better and clearer, but um, without going into to too much because I'm not sure it's helpful and not necessarily every everybody accepts the line of uh, current biblical thought with respect to the Gospel of John, but but there's been quite a lot of work done that it was you know around the business that it was a, a late developed. Uh, work that that, mm. that wasn't uh, probably completed until until the nineties, and that 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 by that time um, there was a real break between the synagogue and the Christian community, the Johannine community, uh, and that there was this big argument going on between the two, and that uh, in the in the in the eighties we we think we have. Um, 
that there's a statement made um, that came out of somewhere in the synagogue that, that the Christians were to be excommunicated, could be, you know, not, not to be no longer welcomed in the synagogue. Mm. And so it was a bigger fight. And the, the relationship between the, the Jews and the, the rest of the Christian church, Jewish church, it, 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 it became stressed, more stressed than yeah. it had been earlier. Yeah. Um, so that, that there's, it, it comes out in various places in the Gospel of John, you know, this terrible statement where Jesus says that uh, you were like your father, the devil uh, uh, of the of the Jews. I forget where that is, but it's in it's in John somewhere. And there's great great tension and and you know odd that he should ever have said that, of course, because he was Jewish in his background himself, and it takes some some thinking and some praying. Yeah, um, and you can sort of see how these things led in an anti-Semitic direction, yeah. uh, sadly. Um, but it was sort of a struggling for um, who was right. Yeah. And uh, th this enormous statement that's made in the Gospel of John, that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Um, it, it wasn't just the chosen people. Uh, it, was, it was a love for everybody. Um, so anyway, uh, Jesus heals the man. Um, he, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it in the man's eyes and says, go to the pool in Siloam, uh, which means sent. The man did what he's told, washed and came home seeing. And Everybody's shocked. Uh, his neighbors and those who had formerly see him, seen him begging asked, isn't it the same man who used to sit and beg? So my my general take on 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 it is that Jesus helps us to see. Yeah. Is that uh, Our eyesight is distorted in lots of ways. Um, and the, 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 the love of Christ for all people uh, corrects our distorted vision. Um, We, you know, we have this little message that that his parents later on in the in the text, verse twenty two. Uh, they're asked if if it was if their son really was born blind. Verse twenty. Uh, we know our son. We know this is our son. The parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But uh, how he can now see, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Yeah. They're afraid to say yeah. that it was Jesus. Uh, ask yeah. him his age, and he will speak for himself, say the parents, verse 21. Um, his parents said this, verse 22, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the, put out of the synagogue. And, and that's, uh, for scholars, that statement, I think, is the yeah. it kind of hooks in with the fact that, that we know that the Christians were put of the, out of the synagogue sometime in the 80s. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that there was this antipathy going on yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then and then later on, I'll I'll. I'll get to jump in here in a few, few minutes. We, we we get this we statement again, but this this time. From the man, verse thirty. Uh, he he's they've been they've been uh, accusing him of being Jesus' disciple. Verse twenty eight. They hurled insults at him because he said it was Jesus who he healed him. Uh, you are this fellow's disciples. You, disciple. You know what could be worse than that? We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for, far as for this fellow, uh, we don't even know where he comes from. And uh, that the man answers, uh, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, 
he listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody else has ever uh, heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. So it's about cracking vision and and uh, and um, seeing that God's love is for all. Um, and then at the very end, uh, Jesus' statement in verse 39, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and that those who see will become blind. Uh, and uh, you know, there, there's uh, <laughs> and those, those who think they, they can see ought to be careful. And those who think they've made it ought to be careful and those who and and uh and that those who who don't who know that they can't see it's like those blessed are uh those who know that they are spiritually poor is the beatitude isn't it yeah um for the kingdom of god belongs to them <laughs> amazing statement to make i think mm. um Mm. But it, but those who know they're blind and and turn to Christ will be given better vision. They will see. Yeah, it it strikes me that one of the things that that it's such a powerful story about is um, kind of the before and the after. Um, mm. where Jesus is involved, you know, what goes before and what comes after can be very starkly different. And, um, you know, this man is caught up in, in a world changing for him. The world is just utterly transformed by his encounter with Jesus. Um, yeah. and, and, and then that encounter continues to then have repercussions. I mean, it has repercussions for his family and, and others and um I, I i think one of the things that 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 i'm struck by is um yeah i mean i think you've very helpfully pointed out blair that this is one of those passages that um one of the things if you were preaching on it that you might want to be helping people engage with is the whole question of you know early christians and and judaism and and the danger of how easy it, it has been in, in, in the history of the church for a passage like this to become a key into anti-Semitism. And, mm. and, 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 you know, it's been deployed in, in all sorts of terrible ways. Um, I think the, um, but, but, but one of the other things that strikes me about it is that it's maybe also a passage that invites us to ponder something that maybe we don't touch on so often is is the sheer staggering scale of the difference that it makes to encounter Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, my background is 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 of like many folks growing up in the life of the church. So, although I think I've had many sort of conversion experiences they've they've none of them have been a Pauline road to Damascus you know mm -hmm. gosh here was life mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. there's life after for me it's much yeah. more of a continuation um yeah. and in, interestingly that one was uh, was about vision wasn't it in, in part yeah. the scales fell from his eyes uh, yeah so yeah you make a connection there sorry go ahead yeah yeah uh, but I'm 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 thinking of you know that that there will be people in our congregations for whom becoming a follower of Jesus Christ has literally torn the world apart for them. Mm. I, I, mm. I spent a little bit of time in Taiwan and um, for a couple of years I was there. And, and one of the things I was involved in at one point was a Presbyterian Church of Taiwan um, evangelistic mission with students. And we took a whole load of students away to a wonderful sort of outdoor pursuit place. And we did, um, we had um, uh, uh, an American missionary doing evangelistic talks each evening. 
And at the end of that time together, one of my one of the students from the university where I was teaching, um, uh, a young woman, um, came forward and said, "I believe. I, I have I have listened, and I believe, and I want to be baptized." And so she was baptized. Yeah, yeah. And then off we all went. And then term started again, and I met her back at the university. And I, I said, you know, that was an amazing, to, to be part of that was an amazing experience. And she said, yeah, it, it was an amazing experience. But here's the thing. I've now been disowned by my family. Because by, by converting to Christianity, I have brought deep dishonor upon my family. Because my family are not Christian. And they see that what I have done is I have turned aside from them as a family. And uh, so I am being put under enormous pressure to um, give up my faith and and no longer be a follower of Jesus. And she she stuck to it. She 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 kept her faith. But it was interesting, you know, and deeply humbling. Here was someone for whom that experience of yeah. following jesus put her in direct conflict with her own mother and father and brothers yeah. and sister and grandparents and in the end she she made a choice and it has always struck me that um there are maybe moments in the life of the church when we need to allow ourselves permission to say let's think about how enormous it is to follow Christ it you know we on the whole won't face persecution for doing so um if we were living in other parts of the world we would so that's just another dimension but anyway we need to move on and I think you want to take us do you want to take us to the psalm yeah I do uh I I just uh, think it, it's it's a wonderful psalm (laughs) clearly it's been highly valued by the church um probably the best known psalm and best loved i I would have thought it it, it, there might be other contenders but it's certainly got to be one of the contenders for being best known and best loved um it, it it for years i think it was it was read at uh many or most funerals um probably less so now in the in the uh secular culture in which we live but um it, it was you know for a long time you, you know i remember i had it at many many of my funerals people just asked for it yeah yeah um and so uh it's in one way it's 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 got a great pastoral message you, you could argue that the whole thing is uh pastoral really uh um, lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down and green pastures uh he leads me beside still waters uh you know there's a wonderful uh, lovely message in it of consolation um all the way through the the psalm yep um that is worth i mean i think that's probably why it is so popular really uh is that is that pastoral message um even though i walk through the darkest valley i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and their staff they comfort me it's you know there's a lot there that's pastoral um but uh you can also read read it another way if you want to and that is that there is a kind of uh political message in it mm in a sort of untypical uh, way. Um, you know, the message is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, you know, at, at one level, those words are just kind of reassuring and represent something um, of a pastoral message to us. Yeah. But they they also represent a challenge to us uh, because they're at, at odds with what much of what we're about um all the time yeah uh, wanting 
is something we do every day, many times over, and, and often with feeling. Yeah. Uh, we, we want things with a, a capital W, and the, and the suggestion of the psalm is that, that if the Lord is our shepherd, we won't want. Um, so, I think a word needs to be said how how wanting is 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 uh, is normal and yeah. human. Uh, yeah. Um, we we want for not only for material things, but um, you know, we uh, and 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 some 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 of the things we want are for our good. Mm. We, we uh, it's not all bad. Our wanting, we you know, we often want. For other people's health to be good, for the world to be at peace. Uh, yep. But there's a sort of suggestion here that if 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 we've got our priorities in order, if the Lord is our really our shepherd, we we will not be ruled by our wants. Yeah. Uh, they, they will not become God for us. Yeah. Um. And and therefore the psalm invites us to. To think about what our priorities are and where, our, what, in what do we put our trust? Mm -hmm. um, and to remember uh, that, that 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 God is our God, even even when we don't get what we want. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Lord is our shepherd, even even when we don't get what we want, which is is a hard one, I think, often to to swallow uh so so there's a there's about a, a kind of call to faithfulness in this text as well i think yeah on the basis of those words yeah uh, and uh you know this business about the cup running over um you know obviously the psalmist wouldn't have had that would not have been his or her experience every day that you it's not the experience of anyone every day that their cup is running over that you get everything you want all the time but but uh, if your priorities are right you know if if you if the lord is your shepherd if if you if you really take that seriously it'll be okay yeah well yeah that again um neil that was the basic point by which i was struck and in the reading of the text uh, more recently has has been the 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 the, the there's a strong pastoral message in the text and that, i think that's very often why we we, we love it so much yeah but there's also uh, a message in this, in this text about how we're uh called to not take our wants so seriously uh yeah. and not to be so fraught if we don't get what we want yeah because uh, if the lord is our shepherd we we see there's a bigger picture a bigger hand a bigger grace and um that makes it possible to live and love and 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 even to uh feast yeah and walk through the shadow of death yeah uh, even even though we don't get what we want because the lord is our shepherd yeah. and and so uh don't make a, a god of your wants yeah nice nice that is powerful that is powerful i, I think one of the things that that um well a couple yeah just a couple of other thoughts maybe on that on the psalm i mean one was one, one of the um commentaries i was looking at said you know because it's so powerful Maybe one way to handle it in the sermon is just to read it out and then sit down and say, let's think about that and yeah. and and have space. And I mean, this might be a service in which that's part of what we do. We 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 just let the psalm be present and, and let people have space with it, um, because maybe there is a danger of it is so familiar. What what would it be to find a way to let the congregation really dwell on it, and and maybe see things in it? And and as you were talking, one of the other things that just jumped out at me is um, verse five. I mean, picking up your point about our wants, 
Yeah. Verse 5, of course, tells us that God is going to set a table for us in the midst of our enemies, which is a pretty mm -hmm. staggering thought. I mean, the thing that's going on there is not that God is getting rid of our enemies. You know, God doesn't, yeah. it's not, it doesn't say, I, I will destroy your enemies. It says, we're going to sit down together and have a meal in the midst of your enemies. Um, you know, you you will be sitting at table with them, and and that would be an interesting, an, an interesting slant on the psalm, which kind of maybe combines your your sense of the pastoral and the sort of political ethical, because it might be interesting to invite a congregation to think about who our enemies are. We don't often talk about that, perhaps. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah no, yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you and I are recording this at a time of war in Europe. Um, mm. And there are certainly um, other countries around that, that would not, not want to see us prosper. But I mean, much closer to home, um, you know, there are people who don't feel safe walking down the street. They're, they're worried about how they appear or maybe they feel vulnerable. Um, we, we have horrible stories, don't we, of elderly people not feeling safe in their own homes, people going mm -hmm. online. And, and being abused online or, or um, yeah. having their money stolen through online scams or whatever. Um, and then there's maybe the enemies within us, you know, fear, guilt, anger, hatred, yeah. um, humiliation, um, all sorts of things. And it might be interesting for the preacher to just explore and tease out what was it? What is God really getting to when God says, I, I'm going to prepare a meal. You're going to sit down with your enemies and we're going to eat together because that's mm. a very, you know, that that turns all sorts of things upside down, doesn't it? In terms of who, who would you yeah, want to yeah. have a meal with? Not your enemies. Yeah. You'd want a meal yeah. with your friends. Anyway, it, it is an amazing text. We, we have one yeah, other. Yeah which is, um, uh, I mean, ironically, having been given such a big chunk of John to read, uh, we, we are then given a very, very short little bit of Ephesians. Do you want to just touch on that a little? Yeah, uh, well, just to say, uh, first of all, that I, I did struggle this time to make a connection between the texts. Some, sometimes right. the lectionary, you know, the, the lectionary uh, folk who put, the lectionary together you know the, the connections are obvious yeah um i struggled a bit more with all of the these texts you know the the, the call or not the call but the the anointing of david uh psalm 23 the blind the story of the blind man being healed uh yeah there are connections but you have to work a little bit to see them i think yes. um this one is about uh being children of the light yeah uh, for once you for 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 you were once oh interesting in the niv it's got for you were once darkness yeah um, so yeah it, it, in, the, in the niv it doesn't say for once you were for once you were in darkness it, it says you, you were darkness and the nrsv is the yeah. same for once it, you yeah. were darkness yeah yeah boy uh which is a strong statement <laughs> it really uh, is and one that's thought-provoking but but now you are light in the lord yeah so in christ we we have light so i think there is a connection here to to seeing uh you know the blind man who who, who sees because of christ uh yeah. and and because of our relationship to Christ, we're actually we can actually become light. We become so live as children of the light. Therefore, uh, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. It's lovely. Yeah. And find out what pleases the Lord. I have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So again, about light and darkness. Uh, 
it is shameful even to mention uh, the uh, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything, but everything exposed by light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. I guess you could do lots of things with light on that one, couldn't you? Um, yeah. The the power and wonder of light. Yeah. Uh, and and how you know when one candle lights another candle, it it then becomes light. Yep. Uh, and this call to wake up sleeper from the dead as and Christ will shine on you. To be people of light. Yeah. So I you know I don't have any more to say on it's that. A, it's a, it's a powerful thought, isn't it? I, 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 yeah. I think there's something in there to play with about maybe the that incredible sense of you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. So we're back with yes. the that yeah. incredible transition that we we see yeah. With, yeah. with. I mean, we see that with the John text. We see that yeah. with the Samuel text. You know, the choice of no longer Saul, now it'll be David. So. Yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, there's maybe something to play with in terms of you. You were darkness. You are light. Now live as children of light, and yeah, expose yeah. the works of darkness. Yeah, so yeah. the transition is also our transition from darkness to light. And it would be interesting. Exactly. And I mean, this would lead us into confession, wouldn't it? You know, it, it's it's yeah. in what way are we darkness? Um, yeah, you know, I think, for example, of the climate emergency, um, we now know enough yeah. to know the ways in which our lifestyle is literally destroying the planet. How, mm. how much have we stepped aside from our lifestyle in order to live a different life? You know, how much are we still mm -hmm. living as darkness yeah. rather than light? As darkness, yeah, yeah. But then also that sense of being children of light, you know, the church as being a community of the children of light is a rather yes. beautiful thought. But again, there would be confession. You know, the church isn't yeah. always yeah. like that. But but how yeah. how could we celebrate in the sermon the ways in which this particular congregation that I'm preaching in is a congregation that is that is living out the light of God in the world? Yeah. And yeah. again, if it was a congregation that we knew, that would be easier than if we were the visiting preacher who's just dropping in. But there might be some questions to ask about, you know, how as a congregation do you have a sense of living as children of light in this place? Because it's 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 that as you've touched on, it's that thing about the candle, you know, the light is passed on. Um, mm, 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 mm. And and then the bit at the end, sleeper awake, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. You know, we're back perhaps to the scale of conversion and and yes. where we were with with the, the blind man and and the, yeah. the questions that he's then challenged with afterwards and his family are challenged. You know, how do you account for what has happened? Mm. Um you know, and, and, and I mean, even it's there a bit with the one Samuel, um, you know, from Saul to David. Um, and it's there perhaps in the psalm. You know, we're back with, you know, you can walk through the valley of the shadow, but I will be with you. Fascinating, fascinating, um, very powerful. It's interesting. Uh, again, I suspect the challenge for the preacher is going to be in the midst of all of this massive amount of biblical stuff and theology. Where do we go? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, for this Sunday and this context, what what do people need to hear? There are, of course, other bits to worship. Uh, so, Blair, I don't know if you had any thoughts on, on, on ways in which these texts might lend themselves in other directions? Uh, yeah, two. Um, one uh, has to do with Psalm 23, and it's the uh, 
verse which says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And uh, it's just a, a lovely little children's story you could share if there's children present mm. uh, that I heard um, from a man when we lived near Liverpool who, who was brought up in the Salvation Army, whose father uh, told the story when he was little, he still remembered it. It, it, his father told a story in church about um, two uh, dogs that hand, hounded uh, this man all of his life uh, and uh, he had to go through all kinds of trouble uh, in the story and and the, these dogs that hounded the man said Barry, the one who was telling the story to me uh, he always took them to be darkness and death because uh there was a lot of darkness and there was a lot of death to go through right uh, and and he builds he said his father built built up the story in such a way that that the end it comes to a, a real sort of tense um point where where these two dogs finally catch up with him they're hounding him they kind of catch up with him. and the two dogs that uh, have been hounding him of course not are not darkness and death they're goodness and mercy oh wow yeah. Wow. So, so God had had been God had always been yeah hounding yeah. him if you like oh had the hounds of heaven on, yeah the hounds of heaven the hounds yeah, of yeah. yeah 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 mm. and uh, so so that 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 that's a just a, a nice one that fits with the text that that adults might even like that children could sort of relate to if you if you told at their level yeah uh, and then in terms of uh, the other one would be to do with the John text uh, about about eyesight, and I think you can always do things with with glasses. Uh, again, I, I always think of these these little moments of what I can do with with children, mm. and um, it's you know it's it's possible to say that for in my case I can't I can't see <laughs> practically without my glasses. Well, I can see, but I can't read. Right. I, I you know I, I have to have enormous letters before I can read them. Uh, right and uh, and glasses corrects my vision yeah which is not good and jesus corrects my vision which is often not good as well it's distorted yeah. it, 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 it it's affected by my self-centeredness by my um, guilts by my uh anger sometimes you know uh, all those things yeah. distort my vision and, and and Christ in Christ I see better yeah and uh, and that and that that has to be corrected again and again because my prescription <laughs> keeps need is get my eyes are getting worse and so I'm getting a new pair of glasses uh and, and, and so Jesus needs to or I need to, I need to ask Jesus to to keep on correcting my British vision <laughs> which mm. is, Mm. Which, is, which is is changing in a negative direction, not a better direction. Yeah, yeah, nice. That that those are powerful thoughts, and I can imagine yeah. you know the average congregation is probably not short of people wearing glasses. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, yeah. so it would resonate. It would res resonate. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. A couple yeah. of a couple of things that I was um, playing with and thinking about. Um, if we go back to the Samuel text. And you wanted something to pick up on the Samuel text, it might be fun to do something around things being overlooked. So, in preparation, um, put uh, perhaps under part, you know, a third of the chairs or pews mm -hmm. or whatever in the sanctuary, wherever worship is happening, put something. Um, you know, it could be a post-it note with something on, could be a, uh, I don't know, a smarty or a little bunch of grapes or, or whatever. But anyway, have them hidden around and um, don't say anything about them until a certain point in the service where you just say to people, is there anything strange about church this morning? Have you noticed anything unusual? And see whether anyone has spotted. Now, my my hunch is that someone will have spotted, uh, you know, and uh, it would just get a little bit of a conversation going about um, things we we don't notice in church, and and then things that maybe we do notice. 
and and what you know so that was just a thought um yeah or you could turn it into a treasure hunt you know you could have hid, hidden things and people have to go looking for them that that was one yeah, thought yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. and then a, and then a thought for um the prayers actually for for the um prayers of intercession i was thinking of using ephesians using letting the ephesians passage and that notion of light and dark um really play out in the prayers of intercession if you if you were able to and you had this facility um you know to create a powerpoint and show images um it wouldn't be difficult to create a whole series of images of dark times and darkness in the life of the world at the moment um and then to contrast that with images of kindness and generosity and so on but even yeah, if you yeah, couldn't, yeah. even if you didn't have your data projector and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. um, what you might be able to do would be to just on a um, on a postcard sized piece of paper, you know, an A an A five or even an A six, just um, have a have a, a couple of pictures of you know, I mean, it could be a, a, an unlit candle and a lit candle and and just allow people to hold that and in a way i think these would be prayers of intercession that you might not need to say a lot in it might be more about creating a space in which you could invite the congregation to think well where where is the light going out you know where is it being snuffed out and and where is it shining um the one thing that i would say alongside that just to be sensitive to and aware of is um i think of my friends um who come from black and minority ethnic um community and background right right who would also just gently well not gently who would want to very forcefully say you know let's also just be very aware of how easy it is to talk of darkness and 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 blackness and letting all yes. of that be about evil and light yeah, yeah, and yeah. white is all about good so you good, have yeah, to yeah. you know use the language with care and sensitivity so yeah. that we're not cementing a racist kind of stereotype about yeah. um yeah. where is their goodness where is their where is their evil so, it, it, you know, and, and I mean, I'm thinking of friends of mine who would say, you know, there is an awful lot more going on in Africa, for example, as a continent, than poverty and violence. And, and too yeah, often, yeah. you know, we caricature and we get lazy and, and we create the impression of, yeah. of something very one dimensional. So, so mm. I. I think the Ephesians text, I mean, I think using light and uh, being in the light, being in darkness has a lot to play for us. But it, this is language a bit like the, the John text can be usurped by anti-Semitism. It's not difficult for a text like Ephesians to be usurped by racism and stereotyping. Yeah, yeah. You know, we would just want to be sensitive to that. Anyway, there you go. Um, Blair, thank you so much. We've had, again, a a good run through all of the uh, texts for this Sunday. And we hope that this will be helpful. But uh, Blair, I think you're going to end in a prayer for us. Yes, yeah, happy to do that. Um, Almighty and everlasting God, we take a moment uh, having shared our thoughts our experiences our stories uh to ask that you would bless all those this week who are turning to you uh for direction for guidance for inspiration for conviction uh, as they seek to preach on these texts Uh, Give them good eyesight, we pray, in the sense that Jesus gave the blind man good eyesight. Uh, Help them to uh, speak a word that's fresh, 
that's true that is helpful. Be with them, we pray, in their congregations as they hear the word and indeed as they go afterwards to live the word. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.